Welcome back, Hemming Brainiacs, to the podcast. Little baby beside me, chilling out in his um, in his little pram thing. So he's happy at the moment, but any moment now he could realise that he's tired or hungry or pooped or something. <laughs> you know, who knows? So let's see how we go. Uh, we're discussing, who are we discussing? Andrew Lang, William Ernest, Henley, Edmund Goss, and Robert Louis Stevenson. William Ernest Henley was an English poet, says Swim, a writer, a critic, and an editor. Though he wrote several books of poetry, he was remembered often for his 1970, 1875 poem, Invictus. A fixture in London literary circles, the one-legged Henley might have been the inspiration for Robert Louis Stevens' character, Long John Silver, Treasure Island. Okay, so one of our other poets is the author of Treasure Island. Uh, while his young daughter Margaret Henley inspired J.M. Barry's choice of the name Wendy for the heroine of Peter Pan. Peter Pan. That is very interesting. I love those literary connections. Ah, Invictus, says Acoustic Eels. Who can resist? I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. My college choir from undergrad sang a setting of this poem by Joshua Rist. The first guy I ever had a crush on had Invictus tattooed on the inside of his wrist. Um, after... Brackets, wrist with an R. Um, after this poem, he and I both sang in the choir, and we had both graduated by the time of this recording. I don't know what's going on with all the personal connections for me lately, but it's kind of fun. Yeah, acoustic heels, I really feel like... Um, here we go, I'm looking at this choir. That's oh, fantastic. Man, you do some cool stuff. Um, Are you in this? I'm watching it on YouTube. I don't have the sound on. I should probably put the sound on, shouldn't I? Very cool. Um, yeah, acoustic because I feel like you more than anyone always have this like personal like you relate to the poem as to your actual life it's part of your vocation and I envy that like for me these poems are just stowed away in a book somewhere and if I never opened this book they would have been no part of my life um other than the odd famous line here and there um so that's cool that's very cool I guess we can thank the Hemingway list that these poems are part of our lives other than you acoustic eels who have a very poetic life. Robert Louis Stevenson says Swim was a Scottish novelist, essayist, poet and travel writer. He is best known for the works such as Treasure Island, Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Kidnapped and A Child's Garden of Verses. He was a celebrity in his lifetime. Stevenson's critical reputation has fluctuated since his death, though today his works are held in general acclaim. In 2018, he was ranked just behind Charles Dickens as the 26th most translated author in the world. Um, oh, hang on. I need to put a dummy into a baby's mouth. Hey, you. There you go. Num, num, num. Cozy. Um, all right. Ten facts about Robert Lewis Stevenson. Shall we read a couple of facts? Acoustic Eels says, another classic baritone song today, the poem Romance, was set to music as The Roadside Fire by Ralph Vaughan Williams. 
is notorious among pianists for its fast and annoyingly written piano part, which must be perfectly soft and even throughout the first two stanzas. You come from a larger song cycle, Songs of Travel, which is entirely poems by R.L. Stevenson. Again, um, it, it, um, yeah. Oh, actually, your next paragraph is says what I'm about to say, so I'll just read what you're saying. In another coincidence that will cement in Anders' imagination my romantic life as a well-travelled musician who knows everything, the first page of YouTube results happened to bring up a recording featuring a very talented pianist that I went to undergrad with. There you go, you're just connected, man. You know everyone, that's so cool. And, um, yeah, well-travelled, I don't know, but well-versed musician. I actually don't know much about your travels, to be honest. Um, but you, it comes to you by the looks of things at this university that you go to. Andrew Lang, says Swim, was a Scottish poet, novelist, literary critic, and contributor to the field of anthropology. He's best known for, as a collector of folk and fairy tales. And Sir Edward Wayne Goss was an English poet, author, and critic. He was strictly brought up in a small Protestant sect, the Plymouth Brethren, but broke away sharply from that faith. I must say, like in England and uh, not England, uh, UK, I should say, Protestant and not Protestant. What? <laughs> um, what's the other one? The one that really divided Ireland. Catholic, maybe. I'm not sure. Anyways, anyway, like I, my point is, I don't get that. I don't understand the differences. I don't understand the the tension there and why it was such a divisive thing um but it's such a hot topic in these books that we've read in the Hemingway list that I feel like I should have at some point done a little bit of research I actually I feel like I probably did but I still just didn't get it you know facts about Robert Louis Stevenson he was born in Edinburgh and his family's profession was lighthouse design um, he had a respiratory illness as a child. All right, these aren't really interesting facts. They're just facts. Um, so I'm going to skip through them. Who are we up to today? Oh, man, we've only got... We have got... Wait, let me find out here. Robert Lewis Stevenson. We've got about 20 poets left. Got a, we've got about 30 pages left, which is just nothing. The other day, we read 30 pages in one go. I don't know if you remember. So, like, that's nothing. We can blast through this. T.W. Rolleston is our first poet, born in 1857, and lived to see this book published. The Dead at Clonmacnoise. Clon, Clonmacnoise? Noise? I don't know. From the Irish of Angus of Gillen. In a quiet watered land, a land of roses, stands St. Kieran's City Fair, and the warriors of Erin in the famous generation slumber there. There beneath the dewy hillside sleep the noblest of the clan of Con, each below his stone with name in his branching Ongham, and the sacred knot thereon. There they laid to rest the seven kings of Tara, there the sons of Cabri's sleep, battle banners of the Gale, Jail, Gale, that in Kieran's plain of crosses now their final hosting keep. 
And in Clonmacunoy, I have no idea how to say that word, they laid the men of Tefa, and right many of Lord of Brach, Brach, deep the sod above Clan Creed and Clan Canal, kind in hall and fierce in fray, many and many a son of Con the hundred fighter in the red earth lies at rest, many a blue-eyed Clan Colman of the turf covers many a swan-white breast. Oh my god, the baby's falling asleep behind me. It's a miracle. He never puts himself to sleep. John Davidson is the next poet. 1857 to 1909. Oh, just missed it. Just missed out on seeing it get published. Well, actually, no, you probably saw yourself got published. Song is the first poem. The boat is chafing at our long delay, and we must leave too soon. The spicy sea pinks and the inborn spray, the tawny sands, the moon... Keep us, O Thetis, in our western flight. Watch from thy pearly throne, our vessel plunging deeper into the night to reach a land unknown. The Last Rose Oh, which is the last rose? A blossom of no name, at midnight the snow came, at daybreak a vast rose in darkness unfurled, over petaled the world. Its odorless pallor, blossom forlorn, till radiant valour established the morn, till the night was undone in her fight with the sun. Oh, excuse me. Oh, I woke up a baby. Damn it. The brave orb in state rose and crimson he shone first, while from the high vine of heaven the dawn burst, staining the great rose from skyline to skyline. The red rose of morn, the white rose at noon turned, but at sunset reborn and all red again soon burned. Then... The pale rose of noonday rebloomed in the night, and spectrally white in the light of the moon lay. But the vast rose was scentless, and this is the reason when the blast rose relentless and brought in due season. The snow rose, the last rose, congealed in its breath. The came, then came with it treason. The traitor was death. In Lee Valley's crowded, the sheep and the birds were frozen and shrouded in flights and in herds, in highways and byways. The young and the old were tortured and maddened and killed by the cold, but many were gladdened by the beautiful last rose, the blue, the blossom of no name that came when the snow came, in darkness unfurled, the wonderful vast rose that filled all the world. One more poet. This guy is called William Watson, and he was born in 1858. Song. April, April, laugh thy girlish laughter, then the moment after weep thy girlish tears. April, that mine ears like a lover greetest, if I tell thee sweetest all my hopes and fears. April, April, laugh thy golden laughter, but the moment after weep thy golden tears. Ode in May. Let me go forth and share the overflowing sun with one wise friend, or one better than wise being fair, where the puet wheels and dips on heights of bracken and ling, and earth unto her leaflet tips tingles with the spring. What is so sweet and dear as a prosperous morn in May, the confident prime of the day and the dauntless youth of the year, when nothing that asks for bliss, asking a ride is denied, and half of the world abridged? Bridegroom is, and half of the world a bride. The song of mingling flows, grave, ceremonial, pure, as once from lips that endure the cosmic descant rose when the temporal lord of life, going his golden way, had taken a wondrous maid to wife that long had said him nay. For of old the son, our sire, came wooing the mother of men, earth that was virginal then, 
Vestal fire to his fire, silent her bosom and coy, but the strong god sued and pressed, and born of their starry nuptial joy are all that drink of her breast. And the triumph of him that begot, and the travail of her that bore, behold that they are evermore, as warp and weft is our, in our lot. We are children of splendour and flame, of shuddering also and tears, magnificent of the dust we came, and abject from the spheres. O bright, irresistible Lord, we are fruit of earth's womb, each one, and fruit of thy loins, O son, whence first was the seed outpoured. To thee as our father we bow, forbidden thy father to see, who is older and greater than thou, as thou art greater and older than we. Thou art but a word of his speech, thou art but as a wave of his hand. Thou art brief as a glitter of sand, twixt tide and tide on his beach. Thou art less than a spark of his fire, or a moment's mood of his soul. Thou art lost in the notes of thy lips of these choir that chant the chant of the whole. Last poem for the night is called The Great Misgiving. Not ours, say some, the thought of death to dread, asking no heaven we fear, no fabled hell, life is a feast and we have banqueted. Shall not the worms as well? The after silence when the feast is over and void, the places where the minstrel stood, differs in naught from what hath been before and is nor ill nor good. Ah, but the apparition, the dumb sign, the beckoning finger bidding me forego, the fellowship, the converse, and the wine, the songs, and the festal glow, and are not to not know, to, sorry, and are to know not, while with friends I sit, and while the purple joy is passed about, whether tis ampler day divinely lit, or homeless night without, and whether stepping forth my soul shall see new prospects or, or fall, sheer a blinded thing, there is, O grave, thy howly victory, and there, O death, thy sting. All right. We uh, made it. We blundered our way through those poems tonight, but that's all right. We did that. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.